to praise God that we do have a God that is willing to alleviate us. He's willing for us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us so much. So it's wonderful for us that we have that place of quiet rest that the song says is near to the heart of God. And I hope even as you've been studying this and reading this uh, every day that the Lord has used it to help you also uh, be alleviated in your heart. There's so many things right now that are very of a very oppressive nature in our day and in our time and in our world. And so this is something that's very timely uh, for us. So if you've turned there to Psalm 77, we want to read it together tonight. And tonight, instead of the memory verse, we're going to focus on a thought from verse 10. So when we get to verse 10, I want us to read it out loud together. Psalm 77, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Salah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Salah now together. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Salah. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leddest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. All right, so we uh, asked you in our assignment in this psalm of alleviation to maybe look at three ways where you where you saw that uh, the psalm the psalmist uh, the writer here uh, finds that alleviation for his heart for his troubled heart and uh, just going to open it up now uh, for anybody to to volunteer 
what's what's one of the ways he found alleviation? Anyone? Amen. He said he remembered God first, right? He remembered God, how important that, that that is. You know, when our troubles are bigger than God, our then our troubles are, will overwhelm us. But when we remember that God is bigger than our troubles, it does uh, alleviate us. When things look impossible, we remember that we have a God that is able to do the impossible. I was even thinking today, just sometimes what we call being thankful for the common mercies of God. Um, and really, that's an understatement because even the common mercies, just being able to see, being able uh, to breathe, being able to walk, are those really that common? You know, because without them, what? You can't live, right? But it just is. And, and so when we just start to get our eyes off of our troubles and get our eyes on God and just remember God and His power and, and His promises and how He's helped His people, that does bring an alleviation uh, to our souls and, and brings hope to our hearts. Uh, uh, one of the ones that, that I uh, was is that He sought the Lord. Uh, at the very beginning, right, He says, I, I went to God. And, and he even says, um, I just, I cried out, you know, I, I just unburdened myself. I, I sought God. God said, if you will draw nigh to me, what is the promise of scripture? Does anybody know? I'll draw nigh uh, to you, right? If you'll humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, uh, he'll lift you up. And that's so, such an important part uh, of this, of, of seeking comfort. You have to go to the comforter, right? You have to, he said, um, I refuse to be comforted. And uh, if you refuse to be comforted, you will find a comfort. But hallelujah, that we do have a comforter, that we have a great physician uh, for our souls. And he, he has never turned away a patient yet uh, or someone that came to him to, to seek him. And he sought the Lord. Seek and you shall find, right? All right, uh, anybody else have another one? We talked about he remembered God, he sought the Lord. Another one? Yes, Zayden. He prayed, yes. Oh, what a wonderful thing. I'll never forget a sermon that I heard by Brother Hassel Wallace when he, 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 um, he highlighted in Saul's life how that, that uh, after he had met the Lord on the way of Damascus, and the Lord was going to send Ananias to him, he said, for behold, he prayeth. And Brother Wallace just brought out the point. He said, now Saul probably prayed his whole life because he was raised, you know, to pray. But this was real prayer. This was the prayer of faith. And God took notice of it. Oh, it, it, I know that it's, it's a pleasing thing to God. And, and so often... I know when my soul has been cast down, I have found alleviation for my soul through, through prayer and no other way. Even remember that uh, when there was that very oppressive uh, demonic spirit that the disciples were trying to deal with and they couldn't cast him out and, and Jesus came down 
out of the mountain and cast him out immediately. And they said, Lord, you know, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said, this one only comes out by prayer and by fasting. So wonderful, wonderful. And, and another, you know, that he, he said he, he got his eyes on God, didn't he? Uh, that that's what he really did. He he got his focus and his eyes off of himself, off of his problems, and he got his focus on God. And like we already said, I'll repeat it again because it's important. He saw God as bigger than his problems. A- anybody else have another one? All right. Well, there was also just four. There's really four verbs here from these uh, verses. That we picked out, there were there were four things that he says specifically. I did, uh, and we've talked a little bit about him. Uh, what was the first one in the first verse? Anyone? I cried. I cried. You know, um, men. Uh, uh, most of the times, we uh, kind of try to choke back our tears or say we're crying on on the inside. But I've never felt bad about uh, crying. Because you know what? I think one of the most powerful verses in the Bible is that two-word phrase there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It said, Jesus what? Jesus wept. There is something special. There's something in the way that God designed us. Uh, Now, you don't want to sorrow as those that have no hope. And the Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, but what? Joy. What was that? Yeah, joy cometh in the morning. That's exactly right. And and so, you know, sometimes even so wonderful with God, it feels like for me that I can go and I can get alone and I can talk to God in a way that I can't talk to anybody else. Uh, it's so precious to me. It's my part of my secret life with God. Probably if some of y'all saw me in those moments, y'all would think I was crazy. <laughs> but I can just really... Uh, unburden my soul and and I, and I and I can just cry and that wonderful I love that song that third day says cry out to Jesus what a wonderful thing second one I what I remembered I remember how precious a thing it is to be able to look back and remember see how God helped his people in the word yes but also look back and see how he helped you uh in your in your own life, even even um, when we come to communion, you know, I always think about that. He says, this do in remembrance of me. It's so important for us to keep fresh in our minds what God has done for us and what his promises are. Uh, the third one, anybody? I considered. This really has to do with uh, meditating. Um you know, uh, David said that he meditated on on God's law day and night. Uh, and, and so it means that, that you're considering. Um, have you ever said something to someone and you can see that it was just like water off a duck's back, right? They, did, they really didn't take it in. They really didn't consider it. They really didn't think about it. And so that's what we have to do sometimes in our troubles, in our infirmities, is we have to really uh, consider, you know, God must be doing something. God's allowing something. He's, he's showing me something in my life. Let me, let me be patient. Let me 
endure. Let me, uh, the Apostle Paul even said one time, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so it's very important for us to that, uh, to have that spirit. I, I will consider, I will consider. And then the last one, the fourth one, anybody? I what? I, no, now we already got, I remember, I said, I said, thank you, brother Robert. Y'all have no idea, especially we look at this a lot in, in counseling how powerful it is just to verbalize things sometimes, especially people that have deep pain and hold deep pain or deep wounds in that a lot of times if if you can have a breakthrough and just have a person verbalize and just say, this hurt me or uh, I am hurting, um, you know, that's in the 10-step programs uh, for Alcoholics Anonymous. One of the main things is in the very first is that they just confess. I have this weakness. I am uh, weak in in this area. And but not only that, but also to say those powerful reminders. You know, yes, uh, I am weak. But like we sang tonight, I am weak. But thou art what? Thou art strong, right? Yes, the the waves are boisterous. The the storm looks ominous, but God, you know, your way is in the sea. You can, you're the manner of man that can say, peace be still. And, and to say to ourselves, verbalize to ourselves, I am God's child. Uh, God does love me uh, in spite of all my faults and failings. And to verbalize and to say those things too and, and to repeat and to say our praises uh, to God and, and to sing. What an alleviating thing that that is when, we, when we're able to worship God even in some of our darkest days. Man, what a wonderful job, beloved. Thank you so much. All right, uh, tonight for just a little while, I want us to think and, and to title our remarks, Owning Our Own Infirmity. Owning Our Own Infirmity. I like this, what the psalmist said, verse 10, and I said, this is my infirmity. That's owning it, isn't it? He's, he's owning it. He's not, he's not blaming everybody else. <laughs> uh, Larissa, she finally uh, had her last test in uh, sociology, and she said, well, Daddy, now I know I'm an expert on knowing how to blame everybody else for my problems. <laughs> She said, that's what I learned in sociology is that everybody can can have somebody to blame something uh, for the problems of their life on. If you've ever had sociology, you know that's the truth. But that's not what the psalmist is doing here. He's saying, the reason that I feel this way or I'm having trouble dealing with this is not because there's any deficiency in God. But he says, but, but this is my... This is my infirmity. This is something that, that God is dealing with me about. It's a, it's a weakness uh, that I have or something that, that God has called upon me uh, to go through. All right, so those of you that have a piece of paper or a sharp mind, I want you to do something for me uh, right now, okay? You're either going to write this down. Uh, and we're going to talk about it maybe at the end, not about yours specifically, but but just 
or, or if you don't have a piece of paper, just, just maybe just kind of close your eyes, and you're, you're going to fill in a blank here, okay? My greatest weakness is. All right, and we're just gonna we're just gonna put one thing in that blank, either in our minds. Maybe my greatest weakness is anger. Maybe my greatest weakness is pride. Maybe my greatest weakness is selfishness. Maybe my greatest weakness is honesty. Maybe my greatest weakness is is lust. There's a lot of them in there, y'all. And and I know we could probably say, well, Brother Nathan, I can't, that's hard for me to narrow it down to one, but we all know ourselves. I, I just want you to own it, and it's part of the and it's part of verbalization. Uh, my greatest weakness is, and then just fill the blank in your mind, or or just write it down. I really like this, and and this is important in our lives and in our spiritual maturation as children of God. And I said, this is my infirmity. Now, y'all know that I despise weakness. That's, that's probably one of my greatest weaknesses, that I despise uh, uh, weaknesses. And, and uh, I don't like weakness in myself. I, I hate it. I hate it when I see it. And even in owning a weakness, I'm not saying that uh, you're proud of, of your weakness, but that you can identify in your own self the areas that the devil uses uh, to try to uh, bring you down or or to separate you in your in your love or your walk with the Lord. You know, to conquer, write this down, to conquer your flaws, you must first accept them. To conquer your flaws, you must first accept them. But uh, Larissa, you'll appreciate this being in the jewelry business. A diamond, but a diamond with a flaw is far more valuable than a perfect pebble. So even though you have uh, flaws, you, you are God's jewels. You are God's uh, uh, diamonds. And those of you that know anything about how a diamond is formed or how a pearl is made, it's, it's through great pressure and, and it takes a lot of time for that to come about. And so to conquer your flaws, first you must be able to accept them. So you've, you've done that tonight. You've, you've either thought in your mind or you've written down and you've identified and you've said, this is my infirmity. You've been just like the psalmist. You say, I'm trying to be honest with you, Lord, honest with myself. This is my infirmity. All right, so how, how do we own that? How do we own our own infirmity? First thing that I would like us to think about is that it is mine to endure through. It is mine to endure through. Now, aren't you glad that we don't all have the same weaknesses? Aren't you glad that we don't all have the same strengths as well, but we all have strength and and weaknesses, uh, and God uses that in our lives, and in the church. But each of us has something, uh, infirmities or weakness, and it's ours to endure through. Uh, like we said, we think about diamonds and pearls and, and how they're, they're formed, uh, the, the pressure of it, the, how that, that little grain of sand gets into the oyster and, 
how God works that. And we think about that in people's lives. Uh, in the Bible, we think about Joseph and the pressure and the irritation and everything that he went through in his life. And he had his own infirmities. He had his own afflictions that were unique to him, just like Job did, right? But what a precious jewel, what a, what a precious pearl God made and great example that God gave to us in the life of Joseph. And Joseph owned those things. And he even said at the end, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I think about Naomi and what a precious example and what she went through in her life and, and how that, that she even said, you know, the Almighty hath, hath dealt bitterly with me. She even wanted her name changed, right, from Naomi, which means blessed, Tamara which means bitter, but we see God uh, working in her life and we see Joseph enduring all those, those hardships and it redounded to the glory of God in the providence of God and did it not also in the life of Naomi and how God um, brought her to a greater end. David uh, mentions this in Psalm 119, just a few uh, places here. You know, there, there, there just is a lot of our faults and failings. We would like to just get rid of them, you know. And, and some of them, some of them, God really does bless us to be able to put off and cast off. But if you're like me, uh, you've got some that have been around with you a long time. Some like maybe even you thought that you dealt with, uh, like maybe like anger. But then the right circumstance comes along and you find yourself and you think, well, man, am I even saved if I could be like that and, and act like that? Well, here in Psalm 119, in verse 71, the psalmist says, says here, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Look at verse 75. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. We even think about Jacob, you know, as he wrestled with the Lord and and he wouldn't let him go until him till he till he blessed him. But you know that the Lord afflicted him, didn't he? He he smote him and he limped the rest of his life. And so sometimes uh those are things in our own infirmities when we own our it's, it's things that we have to be willing to endure through in our life and for God to get the glory. And this is a, a very interesting thing that the scripture says, and this is a, a wonderful thing for us to think about. Not only are they mine to endure through, but they're also mine to glory in. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? That the Bible says that we can glory in our infirmities. Not, not that we... We have them, right? But that everything that is weak in us or an infirmity is, is in us, we go to Christ and find all that we want and all that we need. And our infirmities actually teach us how much we have and how much we need in Christ. So I just want to go to that in Second Corinthians. The Apostle Paul says this, and you remember that he had that thorn in the flesh. Y'all remember the Apostle Paul talking about that? That he had that thorn in the flesh that 
He said, I besought the Lord three times for him to take it away from me. But each time the Lord said, I've given this to you as something that you have to endure through. And he said, but my grace is sufficient for you. And, and so Paul is, is talking about these things even in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've turned there and just rejoiced in this, and it's something that I really think is going to um, be a great uh, boost to your spirit tonight. I pray that it is. And that one day, you know, we can glory in that we're going to be like Christ. One day, the scripture says that we're going to be like him, for we're going to see him as he is. Does that kind of make your heart leap up a little bit? Uh, to believe and to know that promise that, that, that one day, uh, all my, my faults and failings, all my insecurities, whatever that was that you put in the blank, is going to be no more. And that you're going to be like Christ and you can glory not only in your infirmity but over your infirmity. So he says here, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Oh, beloved, receive that to your own heart. Now, whatever you wrote down, Drew, whatever you wrote down, my greatest weakness is. Whatever was in your mind, my greatest weakness is. Know this tonight. Christ loves you in spite of that. Does that make you happy? That you're able to glory even in that infirmity. That even though... I am weak. He is strong. That even though I have all these faults and failings, it does not deter His love for me, His care for me, and in every way as I come to Him and I grow in Him and He sanctifies me through the process of salvation. I have victory even over my infirmity. Beloved, I hope that puts iron in your blood tonight. It did me when I was studying it uh, this week. And it encouraged me so much. Not only mine to endure through, but mine to glory in. That even though I have these weaknesses, even though I have these faults, not that I'm satisfied, not that I'm glad I can say that I have them, not that I enjoy even having to deal with them, but God loves me and has given me victory over them. And he loves me even in spite of those things. And he tells us to love others the way that he has loved us. That's powerful isn't it? for us to consider. Thirdly, if we're owning our infirmity, it is also mine to take to God in prayer. It is mine to take to God in prayer. Beloved, we can hide our weaknesses sometimes from one another, but can any of us hide them from the Lord? Hey, thank you, brother. No, we can't hide anything from the Lord, and neither should we. For Jesus said, you don't come to me. He told the Pharisees, you don't come to me. You don't appreciate what I'm doing because you don't see yourself as sick. Only, the, only they that are whole, right? 
They that are whole don't need the physician. They can't glory in it. But they that uh, see themselves as flawed, they that see themselves and own their infirmities, they can come and pray to the great physician. They can come and take their maladies. They can, we can take our dishonesty. We can take our wantonness. We can take our fears. We can take our selfishness and say, Oh, God help me with this unclean, wretched heart of mine. And he'll say, Come. Come to me, my dear one. And he said, I... I will give you rest. I will, I will cleanse you. I will wash you. I will renew you by my spirit. I think about when Jesus said in Luke 18 about the two men that went up to the temple to pray. Right? The Pharisee, he said, Lord, I check all the boxes. I tithe. I do this. I do that. He went even so far to say, and I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like all these other people and especially not like this publican right here. Right? But it says that the publican wouldn't so much as lift up his eyes. But he prayed and he said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And Jesus the Lord said, that man, went to his house justified. Do you have infirmities, whatever, that you wrote down on that card or had in your mind? How long has it been since you just went to Jesus about that and that alone? And said, Lord, I have this problem. I have this uh, infirmity. And, and Lord, I need your grace to help me in this matter. Mine to take to God in prayer i think about when jesus was in the synagogue and they were trying to catch him you know doing something on the sabbath day they said oh yeah you know we can we can get him we know he loves to heal so they were there they were they were kind of hiding out and you remember the man was there with the withered hand y'all remember that story he had a, a shriveled up afflicted hand and i can kind of imagine i've i've been around people that that uh, have had afflictions like that, and they try to keep it hid. You know, they'll either either put it down in their pocket, or they'll wear something over it, or they try to do anything for you to avoid noticing that about them. And so I can just see him kind of in the back of the crowd. He's heard about Jesus, his power, his healing power. He's curious, you know, but but he doesn't want to come out and and reveal his weakness. And, and his witheredness. Uh, I believe there, there were even some places that were so strict. Somebody, if it was bad enough, you wouldn't even be allowed in because of the affliction. But Jesus is there. <laughs> he goes right through the crowd. And he finds the man with the withered hand. And he says to him, stretch forth thy hand. And the man does. And the Lord made him whole that very hour. So, what's your infirmity? I would encourage you, stretch it forth to the Lord, to the great physician. Take it to him 
in prayer. That's what our psalmist did. He said, I cried unto God with my voice, even God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. I cried unto him, I, I struggled with the Lord, and he said, but, but I own that this is my infirmity. Well, also, beloved, it is mine, it is mine to lament of. It is mine to lament of. Like I said, we're not, we're not proud of our infirmities. The, the things that we wrote down, they should bother us. They should cause in us a, a godly desire, desire to want to repent and to turn away and, and to change. Not to have a, a do-over, but a do-better in our lives. Go with me through the book of Romans chapter 7, again to the language of the Apostle Paul. In the Roman letter, chapter 7. And this is a lamentable thing when we see, even though that we have been born again by the Spirit of God, and sometimes you take an honest look at yourself, if you really take an honest look at yourself, and you still see so much sin, so many things that aren't of faith, so so much that is not surrendered the way that it should be uh, to the will of God, or or just that our hearts are sometimes so often so cold to the prince of our love, and and it could be like this said, I just abhor myself uh, for what I am without Christ and and it is a lamentable thing uh, Paul says here in Romans 7 and, and 18 for I know can you say this tonight for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing can you get that low tonight whoever can get the lowest will find the most grace whoever can get the realest the humblest, the most honest before God. Can you get yourself up into that verse? I find that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. And so, our infirmities that we own, it's a humbling thing, right? It's a, it's a humbling thing. It's, it's a thing that that we need to find healing for. It's, it's something that even when we see it in others, we, we want to try to help them and give them hope as well. But lastly, it is mine to repent from. It is mine to repent from. I'm glad that the psalmist didn't stay in the condition that he was in at the beginning uh, until the end. But we see that there was alleviation, there was, there was help, there was strength to his weakness and, and his infirmity from the Lord. And we find that through repentance. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. I can think of no greater example of this than David's great prayer in Psalm 51. I'm sure many of you have read it many times. 
and you can go there, but, but we won't tonight. But y'all know how that it reads. David, David gets so real with God. He, and, and he repents truly with, with godly sorrow that didn't have to be repented of. And, and just being so honest with the Lord. Lord, it's against you uh, that I've sinned and, and, and it's before me and, and it was wrong and I need a clean heart. And I need a right spirit. I need to be purged with hyssop. I need to be washed with with nitre, Lord. I want to. I want to, My life. I want to change from the way that that I have been, Lord. I was weak, and I need you to give me strength to continue on. Mine to repent of. So. Beloved, whatever that you wrote down tonight or thought in your mind, it's time to go to work, spiritual work, grace work, faith work in our lives, trying to endure, trying to glory, trying to go to God in prayer, lamenting of it, but also seeking that great gift of repentance from it that we might bring glory to God our Father. May the Lord bless you and keep you. This is my prayer.